Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, hey, Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing well. It's good to see you this week. You were here in town for the executive committee meetings. Uh, we didn't really see each other that much, though. I mean, I think we had, what, lunch on Tuesday with a bunch of students, and I think that was about it. Yeah, it was a lot of coming and going. Um, very, very busy time this week, but great. Really, really good. A lot, of, a lot of neat things for the students. And then you got back just in time to experience the tornadoes and everything that went through the Raleigh area and your previous hometown of Waverly, Virginia. We've talked about Waverly a lot here on the podcast, it seems, but uh, they, they took a really, yeah. really big blow from those tornadoes. Yeah, that was really, it, it's been kind of interesting because, of course, it, it came through here and we were hunkered down uh, like so many people are when those come through. But then when everything passes and we come out, then we started getting uh, texts and emails and people uh, letting us know because they'd seen it on the news that it had touched down in Waverly. So it's been very strange. Uh, it's a really small town, a lot of wonderful people there. Um but when we're watching on the Today Show and seeing pictures on Facebook things, I mean, we know exactly where all of that is and um, know a lot of those homes and things. So uh, we did not know the the people that lost their lives, um, but we've we've talked to some of our folks and heard more details. It's a really tough time. All right. Well, I know you've got a busy week at Southeastern. Y'all have Amgram lots on campus tonight doing a women's event there. And uh, we are also thrilled to have, again, Southeastern Seminary as our sponsor. Uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's new 81-hour MDiv program is preparing students to take the gospel to their neighbors and the nations. Wherever it is you are going, Southeastern will help you get there. For more information, you can visit sebts.edu slash mdiv. That's the 81-hour MDiv program from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. All right, Amy, big news this week. It's what we've been waiting for for a long time, um, and I, I was in a room with about 90 pastors and, and Baptist leaders from across the nation when this news broke Wednesday morning. Uh, the IMB uh, totals for their VRI, which is the Voluntary Retirement Incentive, and the HRO, which is the hand-raising opportunity that they had offered, uh, the totals came in at a staggering 1,132 total missionaries and staff. Wow. Kind of took a little bit to let that sink in. I, I was back here, uh, but was getting kind of word as, as I think everyone was sort of letting it sink in. What was it like in that room? Uh, the wind, like it's collective wind out of the sails. I mean, just the, the entire mood of the room uh, was, it, it was hard. It was really, really hard. It was a very, very difficult um, time in that room, uh, pastors and leaders. I mean, these were the, the who's who of the SBC in that room. Uh, Dr. Floyd had gotten us together and, and you know, he called up, uh, Gordon Fort and Gordon got up and shared Gordon's family. You know, Gordon's been with the IMB for a very long time and his family, uh, has been on the mission field pretty much his entire life. And, uh, Gordon spoke to it and we had a time of prayer and, uh, just some, some, you know, specific time of prayer for the IMB. And it was, it was a very, very, a touching moment, very difficult rest of the day though, because that, that really weighed, it's still weighing on me. And I, I obviously it's weighing on a lot of people. Uh, this is a very, very uh, difficult time. I obviously for the IMB, uh, that was not an easy number to announce. I know puts us now, uh, the IMB figures, uh, down below 4,000, uh, IMB missionaries on the field at, at around 3,800, according to the IMB release here. Uh, the last time we were at that 
that level was around 1993. So 23 years it's been since we've had this few missionaries on the field. Uh, and that, that's still, still sinking in for me. Yeah, that it, it's an interesting thing because I think we've all seen that this is the right thing to do uh, because we've understood that the financial situation being what it is, something had to happen. Um, that doesn't change that it's just tough. It's just really, really tough to hear numbers like that um, when we've sort of been going up for so long in in, in that and then to like you said, it just kind of takes the wind out of you as you let it sink in, even knowing that we're moving toward a, you know, financial health in it. Yeah. That, that may be the only consolation is that the IMB who had outspent their budget last year by $39 million uh, now is in a position where this will not or should not ever happen again. Uh, And I I think they, they have made that point that, look, this is an organizational reset that's been calling it the entire time a financial reset and, you know, the goal, as David has said, from day one, I believe, at IMB, is to have limitless missionaries on the field. And, and right. this, you know, short-term pain uh, in the grand scheme of things, this is not a, a little pain, but a short-term pain, if that means that we can, in the future, be sending limitless missionaries, I, I think we will all agree that, you know, when we look back on it, that was a good thing, but it's, it's not an easy thing by any means. No, it's not. And we can all look at that even in, in things uh, in our lives that you something that hurts in a time you start to, to yeah, that's a great look example. back later and say, yeah, well, now I see why that had to happen. But it's really tough. Yeah, it doesn't make it easy. But uh, sometimes, you know, looking back on it, it makes it understandable. All right. And the other uh, big trustee meeting this week, uh, the executive committee, what you were in town for, uh, brought a group of students from Southeastern. And uh, we had groups of students from a lot of different places. A union was there. Uh, Nathan Finn, good friend of the pod, brought some students over. There were students from, I think, Chriswell, ETBU, Southwestern, uh, New Orleans. Help me out here, Amy. Uh, who else? You were in the room with a bunch uh, of It was all five seminaries. Okay. And then, uh, as, as you so said, no several colleges. Right, yeah, which is understandable. That's a that's yeah. a tough a tough travel for them. Um, but like you said, Chriswell, East Texas Baptist. Um, union. All five seminaries. Right. A lot of students, a younger generation, very diverse group, I will say that. A bunch of uh, men, a bunch of women from those and different backgrounds, ethnicities as well. So that was really neat to see, uh, the the diversity of the makeup in the room of the students. I had lunch with you guys on Tuesday. Got to hear from Dr. Floyd about uh, just what his his last couple of years have been like as the SBC president. And even had a student uh, claim that he wanted to run (laughs) or ask if he was available to run. Um, I'm not sure where he was from, but that was hilarious. I loved it. That guy, he had a great, a great sense of humor and, and was obviously kind of asking it tongue in cheek, but was asking about what, you know, the process, what it took to be. The qualifications. And there's a lot of people that probably, you know, don't know a lot about the procedural goings on of the SBC. I mean, I, I know, there are probably some state executive directors and presidents who don't know the procedural issues of the SPC. But at the same time, you know, this is a, it's a fair question. And, and he asked a good question. Dr. Floyd gave him a great answer. He's like, you know, there really isn't a requirement. It's not like the president of the United States where you have to be a certain age and, you know, from right. a, born in a certain place or, or not, right. depending on but, what, which website you read. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was great, though, because to explain further, when the student asked, are there any requirements? And Dr. Floyd said, actually, uh, no, there are not in, in terms of the bylaws. And then the student said, 
can I count on your vote? And the whole room just fell apart because, of course, he was just having fun. But it, it was great. One of the things that was was really unique is, um, you know, this was really cast as an experience for the students to start educating them about uh, the SBC, how it works, the cooperative program, expose them to people, help them to meet people and learn about things. But I really wasn't prepared for how clear it would be that it was not just good for the students to see the SBC leaders. It was great for the SBC leaders to see the students. Oh, really? Yeah. You And, and we heard that. You know, they just talked about how great it was to have the students in the room uh, when we went to work groups on a Tuesday morning. They had all the students introduce themselves, both of the work groups I was in, because they really seemed to be delighted to meet sort of the leaders of tomorrow. Hmm. And that didn't really occur to me when we were going. We were just kind of prepping the students for what they would see. But I thought, you know, this is a good thing both ways uh, for for just people to be interacting. So I, I thought it was a, a fantastic idea. I hope they continue to do this. So you were in the meeting a lot uh, with some of the work groups. I know you were in the CP work group on Monday, uh, another work group on Tuesday morning. Give us some kind of behind the scenes stuff. I mean, we, we've got the the press release linked to at the sbcthisweek.com website. You can see the wrap-up and everything. But, but Amy, you were in the room, so tell us kind of what was it like being in the room there. Right. So on Monday, that's when the Cooperative Program Committee met. And uh, so that's kind of a subset of the executive committee. And then work groups are even subsets of, of committees. So Monday was the Cooperative Program Committee. That's really when they do a lot of the work to um, – suggest things or to make motions of things to the EC. And they also hear from a lot of entity heads. So they got to hear from uh, Kevin Ezell, from David Platt, from all the seminary presidents. Give uh, they, they gave reports. Basically all the entities funded by the cooperative program. Dr. Moore correct. and everybody. Yeah. yeah, correct. Dr. Moore got up there. Um, so then then they they did deal with a couple of issues having to do with the cooperative program the the transfer that's talked about in the Baptist press story the one time transfer from NAM to the IMB of up to 4 million dollars to help uh, to help transition missionaries who have accepted the VRI or the HRO so they that was the moment that they discussed that because this is something that when a financial transfer like that happens um, you know the trustees are approving that of the trustees of NAM, but something of that magnitude has to have approval by the executive committee acting on behalf of, of the, the Southern Convention. Convention. Yeah. Correct. Um, so it was sort of just walking through those steps and there was some discussion about that. They, uh, they, they did give some conditions, which are mentioned in, in Baptist, in Baptist press, asking about it to be drawn from the reserve portion and not negatively impact the ministry assignments, things like that. So, um, so that discussion happened there and then, uh, seminary presidents reported and had a few questions and, and, uh, that it was just a great opportunity for, that interaction between the executive committee and the entity heads, but then also for the students to see it. The work groups, um, I went to the uh, convention ministries work group with several students and the communications work group. Uh, convention ministries work group actually didn't have any business. So Ken Weathersby, vice president, uh, just reported to them on some things, particularly with efforts in uh the, the efforts in, in racial and ethnic diversity. So everyone in the room got to hear a little bit more about where things were on that. And then in the communications uh, 
work group, they a- approved a resolution for a retiring state executive and and some other things uh, that that were going on. But it was just a just a great opportunity to see how things go. Yeah, two other major parts coming out of the executive committee meeting. One was the change in the format of entity questions at the annual meeting, uh, mm-hmm. and that would be. That uh, in the past, we've had a report or a presentation, usually just a report, then questions. Uh, by bylaws, you had to give at least four minutes, and it had to uh, be, I think, a, a third of the time or something like that for right. your of your report had to be set aside four questions. So usually it was four minutes because uh, they typically gave you eight to 12 minutes or something like that to, uh, to make right. the report. Uh, and they're going to do that all together this year. Instead of yeah. you know questions after each thing, they're going to have a, a panel on the Wednesday afternoon of the convention. Um, I could see that going very well, and I could yeah. see that possibly going very badly, uh, depending on things. Um, but I, yeah. I think I think though uh, it's going to be set up in a way that it's going to it's going to work well. I, I'm right. very encouraged about that. Um, so, and it also will it will help the flow of the convention instead of having these things that break it up all the time. Right. And here's what we have to remember. Even when there are moments that all of us have been sitting in the room and a question gets asked, and and I've done this as a a messenger, as a pastor's wife there, I've done this as an employee, I've done this in in so many ways. And you you hear a question and you're not sure where it's coming from or you're wondering what's going on. Um, But the truth is we have a a beautiful system in that that the convention belongs to the churches. And In those two days and in that moment for questions, any messenger, any messenger who is registered can come to the microphone and speak. And there's something really good about that and something very healthy about that, Uh, even when we don't necessarily understand every question that gets asked. And so I think, you know, in terms of a process, I think this is going to be an interesting thing. It's a good thing. I'm I'm eager to see how it goes. Yeah, and I also think it it helps us with our flow of the convention. Like I mentioned earlier, not just the, the stopping and starting, but you know maybe there's a, a long question or a long answer, and then we get thrown off, or there's no questions, and then you have this this time gap that you had planned for, and yes. now things get moved up, and and you know that happens three or four times in a session, and now you're 15, 20 minutes off. On, and people and no are expecting, one knows. and no one realizes it. So, so this is a this is a really good thing, I think, in that sense, that we'll be able to have. Okay, there's a block of time, forty five minutes or whatever the time is. I think it's about forty five minutes uh, that you can ask questions, and we don't have to worry about the schedule moving around. That's one thing I think Dr. Floyd has done a wonderful job of is uh, streamlining the schedule and keeping it to where it, it moves at a better pace and a more predictable pace than in the past where things would uh, kind of move around and you, you really didn't know where you were in the order of business for the day. Correct. One other point and uh, information coming out of the executive committee meeting uh, was the disassociation of the Augusta Heights Baptist Church and the Greenville Baptist Association over in South Carolina. So we've seen in the past any acceptance or involvement in same-sex marriage seems to be a, a no-go in the SBC, and that's proved again with the disassociation of the Augusta Heights Baptist Church over in the Greenville, South Carolina area. Uh, moving on, Dr. Floyd, uh, we, we've kind of talked about this, the annual meeting. He announced on Monday that online registration opened this past Monday, uh, so you can now register for the 
annual meeting in St. Louis and uh, gave some information about Crossover St. Louis. We've linked to an article that he wrote that has 10 points in there, 10 things you need to know to prepare now for SBC 16, including the official hashtag, hashtag SBC 16, uh, which is pretty predictable since it's been that, you know, for the last little bit. But it's a good reminder to know that uh, because regardless of how many times we say it, Amy, we always have to watch the SBC 2016 Hashtag, hashtag because somebody's going to use that one too so uh here it is out there we're letting you know as well uh you've got three months to to get that kind of squared away that's sbc 16 use that hashtag online and uh you know talk about the conference and encourage your friends uh, and people from your church to go to be participating to vote we got a a big vote this year a president uh, not quite sure who's running for that yet uh, but yeah. also uh, the Pastors Conference had a chance to meet John Metter. Uh, I met a lot of the people that we've had on the podcast this past week for the first time in person. We've we've talked on the phone and, and through email and stuff. But John Metter from First Baptist Church of Euless, Texas, as well as Tommy Green, the executive director of the Florida Baptist Convention, uh, and saw Gary Hollingsworth, the new uh, South Carolina exec, saw him as well. Uh, I've known Gary for a little bit. But uh, it's good to see all of them in person here this week. And, uh, you know, here's the information for uh, the annual meeting and you know, it's about time. We're, we're getting close to having committees announced, uh, the Committee on Nominations, Committee on Resolutions, Committee on Committees, all those guys. We're counting down to SBC 16, and uh, we will see you in St. Louis for that one. So, uh, Amy, moving on, and one more piece of uh, news uh, from your home state. Charlotte Council passes the LGBT ordinance over in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, um, I saw this popped up. I hadn't gotten a chance to do a lot of reading on it with everything else that's been going on this week. Um, but they did, uh, they did pass a measure on, uh, on earlier this week on the 22nd, they required places of public accommodation to abide by non-discrimination, including, and all, all of these things, marital status, familial status, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. Um, so it passed on a 7-4 vote. It's now going to go to the state legislature. There were protesters um, for it just kind of coming together. Mark Harris, uh, for uh, the senior pastor of First Baptist Church Charlotte, led that or let, led out on that. But, you know, it's kind of one of these things that's been talked about a lot in the state of North Carolina. Um, I don't know what's going to end up happening when— uh, when it, when it goes to the state legislature, but it obviously deals with a lot of um, questions of religious liberty, people who are, people who have businesses, who have public places, uh, there's certainly an impact there, and then, um, and just some of the concerns that do come up right now uh, as far as how locker rooms, things like that are handled. So certainly something that we are watching uh, in the state of North Carolina Um as as it is in the the western part of the state yeah and also governor pat mccrory he uh, indicated in an email it says in the the baptist press article here that uh, that swift action by the state legislature is expected to overturn the local ordinance and the outcome will probably be decided by the north carolina voters in a referendum so uh, yeah that will be interesting to see play out this is very similar to what we saw in houston earlier this year uh, and last year yeah. as well so uh, it, it will be something to follow here on the podcast just because of the implications for religious liberty and uh, the gender issues involved in that. 
Sure. And a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of Southern Baptists involved in that discussion, like I said, Mark Harris, Alan Bloom, uh, at the biblical recorder and several others have, have just done some, some work on getting the word out about this. So, yeah. And some sad news coming from the campus of Southern Seminary this week. Longtime Southern preaching professor James Cox died this past week at 93. Oh, this was tough. I saw this pop up on Twitter on Monday, and, uh, you know, he was 93 years old, and, and so um, so it's, it is one of the things that happens. But uh, Dr. Cox was a very, very respected preaching professor, uh, but I can just say he was a wonderful, kind Christian gentleman. And when I worked at Southern Seminary, I loved, loved working with Dr. Cox and uh, never heard him say an unkind word. So it's, uh, I, I know he hadn't been in the classroom in a while. Uh, so in terms of daily life, uh, things will continue going on. Uh, but for many people, he will be very missed. Yes, and uh, spent four decades on the campus of Southern Seminary. I uh, got his Ph.D. there in 1953, uh, his MDiv in 47. So he had been there for a very, very long time. Uh, survived by mm-hmm. his wife of 64 years, which is uh, ah. just amazing right there. Yes. The EWTN lost a contraceptive coverage appeal in federal court. Uh, Amy, this is while uh, the EWTN, it's the Global Catholic Network, but at the same time, this uh, echoes some of what we've seen with the religious liberty when it comes to the contraceptive uh, mandate and Obamacare, uh, that, you know, that stuff that we've seen uh, on the federal court side. So uh, walk us through just as, I guess this is just another thing that we've, like we've seen before. Right. And this is just demonstrating all the different issues that are coming up more and more with respect to religious liberty. Um, and it, as the courts continue, you know, th- this article that, that we've linked here, it actually just says that government-mandated contraception poses little burden on religious beliefs. So, you know, as we deal with all of these different issues from the city ordinance in Charlotte to these cases about government-mandated uh, contraception, um, it's just demonstrating that there are certain things that that we do as we live out our faith and certain stances, certain positions that we take, um, things that, that we would see as a violation of conscience and that, you know, uh, certain people in authority just do not see it that way. And I think we're going to continue uh, to come up against this and probably deal with some religious liberty questions that I'm sure the Alliance Defending Freedom folks are thinking through all of these scenarios Um but probably there will be issues three years from now that you and I never even imagined. And this is just another one of them. So every every one of these cases, it matters to watch because they have bearing on other cases. And it does, Amy. And, and you know, a lot of this hinges on that Supreme Court vote and cases that get to the Supreme Court. We're still looking at a, a 4-4 kind of tie, as, you, as we mentioned last week, on the uh, Supreme Court likely in any of these cases, uh, and you know that really hinging on who the president or the next president appoints to the Supreme Court to fill that that missing spot right now. Uh, just a quick election recap. Uh, obviously, we've seen Trump win in South Carolina and Nevada, and Clinton won Nevada last week. Leads going into South Carolina this weekend. Uh, big week next week, and in the coming weeks to to kind of narrow the field here and and really pin down that nominee. Democratic side, I mean, do you see anything stopping Hillary other than maybe the FBI? 
I'm going to just move on from that comment. Uh, no, I, I don't. I think, I think she's going to go ahead and make her way. I think there was a moment where it looked like some of these issues over uh, the role of the superdelegates, things might get a little contentious, but I don't think anything's going to stop her. And uh, I think where things are on the Republican side, boy, it's getting to... It's getting to the point where it looks like it's going to be hard to stop someone else, too. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But it certainly is making for a lot of interesting conversations and a lot of things that were very easy to consider once before. Uh, it was just a very cut and dried uh, decision. Um, a lot of complexities this year. I'll just leave it at that. A lot of things we have to consider. So uh, I know going into Super Tuesday, everyone's really watching. That's big for you because Super Tuesday is uh, oh, that's Tennessee. Tennessee in it. Yeah, yeah Tennessee is part of that. Yeah, yeah um, you do. And uh, our it comes to North Carolina, the primary on March 15th. And it'll be interesting to even see at that point. Uh, who the choices are yeah. on the Republican side. So Yeah, that's the, uh, the later the primary, the fewer choices sometimes. Sometimes it's even sewed up by the time it gets to there. And uh, yeah. a lot of times so, that, that could be the case. So Right, so we all just kind of watch. It makes but. you wonder why we have it staggered out like this because, you know, you get to a state like North Carolina and it's possible that things could be wrapped up one on, or well on their way to being wrapped up on one side or the other where if we had this and maybe one day across the U.S., it might not be that way. Right. But I, I think as as we've seen, you, you have national party and you have state parties and you have a lot of uh, state offices and national offices having to work together and, and uh, set things up. And so... Sounds a lot uh, like I, the Southern Baptist Convention. Have a- <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to say that, but okay. Um, and so as they work together, and I, I actually don't know all of the processes on how the dates are chosen, but obviously then you have some that are caucuses, some that are primaries. Very interesting. Uh, but what I do know is that you get to go first. So yes. you're you, you're on the big day, and then we'll see where we are in, a few weeks later. Yep, I do get to go first, and uh, i got to remember to put that on my calendar next week. So uh, I have to do that. And uh, But that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the episode uh, this week in SBC history. Amy, blew our minds. Well, I uh, happened to find we're going to go to 1996, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yes, February 23rd. uh, Chuck Kelly was elected unanimously as the eighth president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I did not realize that was 20 years ago this week. I knew he was 20 years this year, but I did not realize that it was 20 years. Congratulations to Dr. Kelly. Uh, Dr. Rainers told me a fascinating story. He, He had tried to hire Dr. Kelly at Southern, uh, and Chuck said, you know, well, it's possible that I may be the considered for president here. And, and basically he was, and he got the presidency down at, at New Orleans. So, uh, you know, what might have been, yes, uh, one of those, been one of those questions there. But uh, Dr. Kelly, an evangelism powerhouse uh, for sure, uh, spoke about that the other day in the, uh, the meeting I mentioned earlier with the uh, SBC leaders. And uh, so congratulations on 20 years at New Orleans. Yes, I am. Um, actually, I got a chance probably, I guess, 10 years after that. He'd been there around 10 years to uh, to visit with his wife, uh, who is also Dr. Kelly, yep, I believe. Dr. Ronnie and, Kelly. Uh, that's correct. So she was speaking at a women's event at my church. And I think due to weather, somehow she wasn't able to fly into Louisville. So she had to fly into Nashville. It was during the EC meeting. And I actually drove down 
uh, to Nashville and picked her up and drove her back to Louisville and then uh, drove her back to Nashville the next day. And so I got six hours uh, in the car with her and got to hear all kinds of stories. And I heard about when he was elected president. Um, and I really didn't know much about New Orleans Seminary. That's where I first learned about the uh, the extension center in the uh, penitentiary, all, all of these things. And I really, really enjoyed getting to know her and hearing all about that. Uh, but at, like you, I didn't realize it was 20 years ago this week. Uh, but there we are. Uh, Dr. Kelly's tenure all started this week in SBC history. All right. That brings us to our resources of the week. And Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is a book. It's an academic book, but I, I want to throw it out there. It's called Between Fetters and Freedom. Um, and it is is, uh, it's edited by Edward Crowther and Keith Harper, who is a, a church history professor, Baptist history professor here at Southeastern Seminary. And it is a collection of uh, writings on African-American Baptist since emancipation. So dealing with all the issues that African-American Baptists had to face after the Civil War, that when they didn't have a lot of uh, resources, what did it mean to have freedom with the African-American Baptist organizations be recognized as legitimate, all of those types of things, really how uh, Reconstruction affected, you know, sort of their experience um, as Baptists. So I think it's kind of a, a an interesting thing, and it uh, was released in November. I have a few copies here in my office. I think it's a great contribution. All right, and my resource of the week is the SBC Cooperative Program Reports and Statistics. I know that sounds enthralling to many of you. Uh, but anyway, what happens every year for the February Executive Committee meeting is that all the entities provide mid-year reports. And they usually do these by video. So if you go over to this website, you will click on the link and you will see a video report from every entity uh, telling about what's going on at the entity and, and just some stats as well. They, they usually have their mid-year stats and, and all the enrollment information for the seminaries, the giving, all that information uh, at the ERLC. They have information uh, report from all the things that they've done, you know, for the causes of religious liberty and, and ethics in the world. Uh, Lifeway has just an update of everything that Lifeway's done throughout the year. So you basically get to see what's going on at the SBC. So, you know, kind of more informed than you would be if you just saw a five-minute presentation at the the annual meeting. So I encourage you to go over there, check out those videos, especially the one from Southwestern. The one from Southwestern is, is a unique one, Amy. Um, Dr. Patterson dressed up as Tony Romo. So I encourage you just to go see those, check those out, watch those videos and, uh, and check around and, and just look at those stats. And, you know, there's a lot of information there. You'll, you'll be able to find out what's going on at each of our Southern Baptist entities that your cooperative program dollars support. All right. And finally, I want to give a shout out to Matt Harriman, who works over at the ERLC, and Matt is is new to the ERLC, and Philip Bethencourt, I guess we should be giving the shout-out to Philip Bethencourt. Uh, Philip Bethencourt told him to, to go and check out this podcast and, and listen to it, and kind of he'll be able to catch up on what's going on in the SBC. So I met yes. Matt for the first time this week. Matt has listened to every episode since we started. So, I know. He went back and listened to I apologize for one and you know for for some I apologized cuz some of the audio is back in the day was yes, not the and best. Yes, and my dogs, my And dogs your dog barking. barking and everything yeah. else. Um my my daughter crying at one point I think in there but uh yeah, so Matt man kudos to you. Thanks for going back and listening. So Matt deserves a shout out for going back and listening and and if anybody else wants to go back and and listen 
to all the episodes. We'll gladly give you a shout out as well. We will give you a shout out too if you listen to all the back episodes. Matt, thanks for listening, man, and we appreciate it. And we appreciate everybody for subscribing. Uh, go over to iTunes, give us a rating and review over there. Uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week on SBC This Week. See you next week.